Hi, this is Chuck at Lazarus Recovery Podcast at the junction of faith and recovery. This episode of the podcast is about attitude, basically. Um, it turns out that I'm working on a uh, lesson for CR. It's called Victory. You know, I'm looking at what what is recovery all about? You know, it goes to a question somebody asked me. You know, they have their struggles, but they said, what does recovery look like for me? And it's all about expectations. It's all about trying to define what recovery, and there's millions of different types of it, what, what it looks like, what you can expect from it. Um, a lot of people expect the removal of issues. In other words, people bring into various psychological, emotional, addictive issues into into recovery. You know, in AA, they come to get rid of get some victory over their alcoholism. But the issue is, what do they expect if they can stop drinking? What do they expect? Many people come into CR expecting expecting like release from their issues in other words if they have they come in for anxiety they want to they want if you work the program you're going to be anxiety free faith people they come into into a faith recovery thing and they they have their stuff that they bring in some of it very similar to AA they have addiction issues or something like that or they have anxiety issues or they have psychological issues or they have relational issues or something like that and they expect if they do work the program that they're going to have some sort of victory over those particular problems and I think what I'd like to talk about is you know what does victory look like talk about I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience what what is that what is this this uh, victory thing what does it look like and, and I think that's an important thing because people put time in on recovery in faith or in, you know, OA or anything, Al-Anon or whatever, and they have their own definition of what that's going to do. Goes to the question that uh, the guy I know said, well, what does recovery look like for me? Considering my stuff, what does recovery look like for me? And I think I want to talk about that this time. I, I'm not going to like bless a certain way that gives you complete release from your issues. I just want to talk about the whole attitude of what do we expect in recovery? What do we expect about that? And what does is, what is recovery look like in, in the face of stuff you know I think that that's the that's the thing that I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit concerned about is that we have have sort of a weird attitude about recovery and you know AA says it's recovery is uh, if it's working as a life second to none let's talk a little I want to talk about myself conclusions it's sort of a personal thing to me but, and it's a little bit about, you know, my attitude towards my recovery. 
And then that's sort of what I want to do. I got sober a long time ago. I was 28 when I came into AA for the, for the final time. I'd been in and out of AA in the Navy, but, you know, I just got out of the Navy. I came home and I started going to AA because I knew I had to stop drinking. And I was 28, and I haven't had a drink since. I'm like 47 years old or something like that. You know, it's been a journey, but, you know, they say uh, share your experience, strength, and hope, and that's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what it's like to get sober, but I want to tell you what it's like to... to to live and recover clean and I'm discovering things even now as I look back as I thought about this lesson of victory I, I chewed on it and I it was like a dog on a bone it was just a, it, it set my teeth off I was just like uh, I don't, you know but what and I I've still it was it wasn't until I started working this this podcast out logging it in, into the media stuff and uh, I, I sort of realized that I was coming at it wrong because I started telling the story and I'll tell it now like I said I got sober you know 47 years ago and I went to AA and I, I, I went to AA because I didn't want to hurt anymore I didn't want to die because I was pretty convinced by that time that if I continued to drink inevitably it was going to do me in and I I just was convinced, like step one, admitted, blah, 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 blah. I, I was convinced that I was going to die bad by a death. And I'd seen it in other people. So I, I was I was pretty much determined that I was not doing well. And I had to get sober. First thing, priority one, get sober. And I went to AA. And I, and I actually did what they suggested. You know, I joined a group and... Sort of got a sponsor and became active in a young people's group in Boston. And I later moved to Boston after about, uh, I don't know, a few months, six or eight months, I moved into Boston. I got a job in Boston. I moved into Boston. And I think that that's where, and I remember that. I remember the whole thing. What happened as I've thought about this is that looking back, it's a little rosy, but I look back and I said, you know, gradually over the first couple years, I didn't realize it, but I started in some way or form or fashion looking forward to sobriety. You know, I did things. You know, drinking, I didn't do anything. I just got sick and stuff. But in sobriety, I was nervous. I was anxious. I was crazy. I was uncomfortable physically. But I was doing things I had never, ever done before. And I was doing them sober. And I was doing them with people. I often say as I talk, those years were the best years of my life. They weren't, and, and this is a key point of what I want to talk about today. They were the best years of my life, but they weren't the most comfortable years of my life. And that's a key point that I'm trying to run through this podcast doesn't mean that you're going to look back on it and say, oh, God, that was awful. Because I was uncomfortable, but it was not awful. It really wasn't awful. And, and I, if I'm fair, I have to say that it was not awful. And that means that it doesn't mean that recovery necessarily feels good or is easy 
but that doesn't mean it's not good. And, and, and I, I think that's the key point that has dawned on me while I was chewing through this. Just because recovery is not comfortable does not mean it's not good and does not mean that your memory of it later is not going to be fond. Because if you can filter out the discomfort, a lot of really amazing, wonderful, awesome things happen in recovery. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to feel wonderful. It doesn't mean that I'm going to feel like I'm wonderfully wasted, like on drugs or alcohol. It means that wonderful things are going to happen and wonderful memories are going to be made. That doesn't mean it's all good, doesn't mean it's all wonderful, doesn't mean that stuff happened that didn't wreck you. It doesn't mean that, you know, every bit of experience wasn't, you know, crippling. But it does mean that in amongst all the difficulty, some really good things and memorable things happened. And if I discount those wonderful things because there was discomfort in it, I shortchange myself a lot. You know, I shortchange myself. So that, that's, that's sort of the way that I just, it's an epiphany to me. It really is an epiphany to me. You know, so basically, I guess what I'm saying is that because I'm uncomfortable about my stuff and with my stuff and in my stuff does not mean that the recovery is bad or that I won't later remember with fondness or the fact that maybe I'm cheating myself because I'm letting the, the surface discomfort, you know, blind me to the good stuff that's happening right around me. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm cheating myself of enjoying the good stuff by focusing on the discomfort. So that's the, the basic thing. That's a, that's, I'm almost done. That's what it is. But let's talk about that. You know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, how we let the discomfort, you know, interrupt our enjoyment or recognition of good stuff going around. It's the old AA thing attitude of gratitude you know um, it takes work to realize and I'm terrible at it realize that this I can be discomfort uncomfortable in my stuff and still have very good stuff happening you know I can be in a situation that the situation is terrible and still in retrospect, acknowledge that good things were happening. In other words, there was good stuff in the middle of disastrous stuff. You know, and that, that sometimes inter, interrupts my commentary of the situation. Well, it was all bad because of A, B, C, and D, and therefore that whole situation was bad because of A, B, C, and D. That's not altogether true. You know, um, as I look through my life, you know, I had periods. This is a, this goes with the the uh, the thing of you know secular recovery and faith recovery, faith and secular recovery. Um, I had I have 
excellent memories, excellent memories of my time in AA. Excellent. I mean, they're some of the best of my life. And I was extremely uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable, you know. But as I look back in retrospect, they were amazing. It was, I was doing things I never did before. I was hiking, I was doing things, I was madly in love on occasions and destroyed because something went wrong. I was, I was experiencing things I had never, ever experienced before. You know, and I was uncomfortable all the same thing because of my anxiety, because of all the things, you know, but I was living, I was living. And in retrospect, that's all you can ask for. But I let my stuff obscure the good that was happening. And that's to my, my, I have to take, I have to take ownership of that, you know, so What's your recovery look like? You know, you got to sort of like look at it in a different lens besides what's my stuff doing to me right now? We all have stuff and it all makes it difficult and stuff like that. But we've got to look at it and say, gee, that was an excellent time. And that's what I'm going to visit a friend who got sober with me like 47 years ago. I'll be seeing them in three days. Three days, yeah. Well, maybe four, four, middle of next week. And, um, you know, he was young. He was young. He was like 21 and I was 28. We were wicked young. And uh, we share the memories. His wife was around, too. She was sort of a hangers-on around about that time. She knows the people we're talking about. She was friend to some of the people we were talking about. And... It was just, you know, so we talk about it. You know, age has made it a little less difficult, but there are still things that hurt. But the fondness of the memories, some of the memories, is is awkward because some of the situations were extremely bad, and yet there's good memories. And I'm just, this, this is new to me, you know. Um, and, and the thing that clutters a lot of the, you know, recovery and spiritual, you know, church and spiritual and all that other stuff is that bad situations colored the experience. And if I'm honest, I have to say, I really enjoyed that in the middle of a catastrophe. You know, that's sort of, it's sort of, you're sort of editing a little bit and trying to, you know, and you realize that was really a good situation. I had really good feelings. And it's just simply overwhelmed by bad situations. And you can't blame the, the whole, you can't blame the whole thing. You can't blame faith for the fact you got yourself in a jam. And you can't blame secular recovery because the church worked better for you at a particular time. You can't do that. You know, because some of my most wonderful times were my painful times, but they were in AA. You know, some of the most endearing relationships that I have are AA relationships, like the guy I'm going to see. You know, I had to put a little work in it, but it was, it was, it, it is an enduring relationship. You don't have many of those. I have people, friends from AA that passed away, and they're, 
you know, lifetime for eternal friends. You know, it, it's it's a eternal thing. You know, um, and and that's an amazing thing. Amazing thing. You got to give AA credit for that. And I have people who were absolute saints in the church who benefit greatly who passed away. And you know, I I have to say, you know that, you know, someday, you know, we'll see them again, and, and that's a wonderful thing, a wonderful thing, you know. So it's, you know, this this whole thing is about trying to learn and to talk about separating the stuff from the 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 good stuff that's going on in other words you know everything has a bit of stuff in it and we've got to learn to try to filter out the stuff and and look at the, the the things that are going on and that's what this podcast is about you know and it, it, it the funny thing is it applies to both faith and recovery you know our evaluation of something is some for me is clouded by the hurts and the, the the thing that happens in other words something really wicked bad happens and i don't blame the stuff i blame the whole thing in other words if something really bad happened in church i blame church instead of the stuff in the church that hurt me you know there's a difference you know, you got you got to parse out where the real bad stuff. And, it, and the funny thing is, I realized just doing this that it's it's everything has stuff. You know, I mean, I look at it. You know, I blame the church for the stuff, or I blame the church for the people in the church who have stuff. And I miss miss the wonderful stuff. I forget the wonderful stuff as it buried in the buried in the, the the junk that happened. In other words, the the flavor of the bad stuff, you know, corrupts the good things that happen. And that's not necessarily fair to anybody. Some people are just absolute wrecks. And they they, they sour and pollute everything. But if you can sort of get a little distance and look you can see the good stuff and you can segregate the the bad stuff and that's sort of my epiphany right now is to realize that you know good recovery requires us the ability to to you know separate and and look accurately and separate the bad from the good you know to look and, and try to separate and evaluate the situation and, and, and decouple the bad stuff that happened. Evaluate what was good as good, even though it got tainted and wrecked by bad stuff. That's sort of the way it is with relationships. I mean, you can't blame all of the relationship on really awful periods of time. You know, and that's difficult for me. That's difficult for me because, you know, if there's a person that it just was a wreck and just destroyed, it's very easy to just say that the whole thing was a wreck. There was nothing good there. 
And that's a very difficult thing for me to do, is to say, you know, that in the midst of being on, on a ship and having somebody almost drive me to suicide, that all of the ship was bad. I mean, it, <laughs> the Navy wasn't fun, but it was, there were some amazing experiences. And if I can decouple the bad stuff and remember the good stuff, liberties in Hong Kong, you know, the view from Victoria Peak in Hong Kong, even even the, the, the amazing colors of Olongapo City in the Philippines. I know some people in faith would say, oh my God, it's a hellhole, and it was, but it was, it was colorful too. Um, walking in, walking in uh, Japan, all sorts of things that, that were just, you know, playing golf in the Philippines, uh, all sorts of amazing things, visiting places you've never been, amazing things of relationships with reasonably decent shipmates, going on liberty with people of, uh, you know, of having them, when I was sober, go on liberty with me without expecting me to drink, of watching out for me, you know, of, of all the different things, of all the people I met, all the different people I met, all the different things I saw, you know, that's all good stuff, intermixed with other stuff, you know, that the very idea that I can somehow parse and analyze something and extract the bad and, and, and try to piece out and pull out, tease out the good, that's a whole new idea to me, a whole new, because if there's anything goes wrong, it's all wrong. And I'm going to expunge everything that has to do with that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to protect myself from a bad poisonous relationship by nuking the whole relationship you know to protect myself oh it was it was altogether terrible but i don't have any good memories of it because it was all terrible it worked out horribly wrong at the end that's not altogether realistic you know that's not altogether realistic but it takes a discrimination it takes a wisdom and discrimination to sort that out Protect yourself from the bad. It's like a bad relationship. You got to protect yourself from the bad. You don't want to get sucked back into something bad. But I think that's that's what I, my epiphany about this thing is: is that, that your stuff hasn't doesn't have to poison your hope of a, of an enjoyable life. You know, and I think that that's recovery. I don't think you get rid of your stuff necessarily altogether but you learn to sort it out to parse it out and to live as much as possible in the good and to accept that there's going to be some struggles there you got your stuff and you're going to have to work with it you need people in your life to help you work with it you know that's the that's the trick of this is that you have to learn to enjoy the good and and live with the problematic part of your stuff some of the stuff gets better some doesn't but the way you react to it the way you control it helps it's exactly like i used to say about the you know 
you, you got it. Recovery is all about being willing to hear the truth and, and, and come up with a plan to deal with the truth. This is a similar thing. You have to sometimes accept the fact that your stuff is in one form or another is going to be around. You're going to learn to deal with it a little bit, but you got to learn to live to a certain extent with it. You don't have to like it. You learn to accommodate it. You learn to how to handle it. If you need meds, you get meds. You do stuff. But you don't let your stuff ruin your life and cheat you of life. You have to fight for life. You have to fight for the good things that are there. And don't let the other stuff poison it all out. And that's a, that's a God thing. That's a, that's a whole bunch of things. But you need to, you need to struggle against that. You, you, you can't wait till all your stuff is gone to enjoy life because it's not going to be that way. Your stuff is going to be there. Maybe you get meds and it's better or something like that. But you're, if you're an anxious person, you're going to probably be anxious in one form or another. You know, you're not, you can't drink to get rid of the anxiety. You just got to learn to, to enjoy life and, and to take risks at living life despite that. You know, there's one time, and I'll close with this, one time, you know, I had sores in my feet. They're, they're like, uh, they, they grow there. You can put stuff on and they go away. But it hurt. It hurt to walk. And um, I said, oh, we were going up north to our camp up north. I said, this is going to ruin the whole thing. And then for some reason, I had the wisdom to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy up north whether it hurts to walk or not. And the funny thing was, I enjoyed it better than I ever had, because I put effort into focusing on the good and, and ignoring the, the, the discomfort. And I enjoy, I had the best time up north, because I put effort into enjoying stuff, and I, and I blocked out the rest, you know, so... We can't get rid of all our stuff all the time, but we can focus on enjoying the liberties we have that are available to us. And that's a bit of a choice, but it is, you know, it's work to enjoy life. But life is worth the enjoying. This is a, is, is, it, it's, it's, you can ask for help and say, Lord, help me, help me enjoy what it is. It's, it's AA is, attitude of gratitude you'll work at getting your head head out of your own tailbone and into the good stuff you know and that's my prayer for myself and everybody help us to enjoy the good stuff we have and not lose the day in our stuff we'll have the stuff maybe but we don't have to lose the good of the day and that's sort of what i've got for this one it's sort of simple i think faith and recovery both you, you can't dwell on the, the bad in the church and lose the good. You can't dwell on the bad in AA and lose the benefits of it. Um, so that's an epiphany for me because I, I have a tendency to be bitter and angry forever and ever. And this, this sort of gives me a way out. So this is Chuck at Lazarus Recovery Podcast at the junction of faith and recovery. And don't drink, go to a meeting, 
and work hard at enjoying it despite your stuff. That's it. This is Chuck, the last Recovery Podcast. Have a good night. Good day, or good something. Bye-bye.